0: Duties and I thought it was a funny name, but I had never watched the show because mom was like, Do you want to watch the show that that's based on? And I saw one second of it and I was like, Absolutely not.
1: You're like, No, I'm not about that. Yeah, Yeah,
0: she showed it was like, It was like just the opening credit. And I was like, No, this is not, this is not for me. I think I hear the cat. Yeah, I hear the cat
1: now. (laughs) I'm like, I just scared you away from the door for a reason. Oh, so here we go again.
0: Sorry. No, you're good out of here if the dogs are outside she may just be jealous that she doesn't get to play outside
1: and i'm back welcome back i had to get rid of the cat (laughs) um what is it about uh if i can ask about dolls clowns things like that that freak you out is it that whole uncanny valley thing
0: i it really is anything close to a human that's not human so like this is animal activists hate, hate hearing this, but I don't like monkeys. Like I used to work at the zoo Mm -hmm. and I love animals. And like, I can't, I just can't be around like the, the big apes. They freak me out. And so there's, like I say, human, humans are bad. And like, Um, there's something that's like, this is a human, but it's not moving, but it's looking at you that like really just sends off all the alarm bells for me, but it's fine. I got my eye on them. So (laughs) if they move, I'm going to know.
1: But, um, I, kind of have the same similar thing. I'm not afraid of like the dolls or the clowns, but you get me around a mannequin, those department store mannequins and I'm, I'm out. Those are bad. I I hate them. (laughs)
0: Those are bad. I don't like those at all. Did you ever see the old, uh, Night Stalker episode where
1: they move? oh man i think so you would have to kind of remind me that's
0: it was just the old show in the 80s called Coltech the night stalker and uh-huh. it was like kind of the x-files before the x-files was around okay but i don't i couldn't even tell you i just know that the mannequins in the store moved and they were murdering people oh and my I, god yeah i watched that at like eight years old and i was like well new fear unlocked
1: so- <laughs> yeah no kidding so i i had another like Uh, experience with mannequins and stuff. And it was a stupid Disney show that freaked me out for the life of me. I can't even remember the name of it, but it was like, come to life or something like that. And I was like six and that scared me. And then the wizard of Oz two had the, um, the queen in that. She was kind of like mannequin-esque and she would like exchange her heads.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's awful. Yeah. (laughs) That's
1: not okay at all. It was totally creepy. Um, Well, Alex, welcome to the podcast. Um, I asked you to come out on this because I find it highly interesting that you have this whole artistic realm that you kind of participate in. And I don't even know what to call it other than like Mad Max Doomsday cosplay.
0: That's that's pretty appropriate. People who go to Wasteland, which is just one of a plethora of worldwide, like post-apocalyptic events, would call it like being a Wastelander. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like conform to... It's all about Wasteland Weekend. It, for me, it, it is, it's, it, it's the apocalypse. It's like Mad Max apocalypse. So, yeah, you're pretty accurate.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if anyone here listening to this, you can go on Alex's Instagram. What is your Instagram handle?
0: It's the old high fish, H A I F I S C H. I didn't make it easy for people to find. <laughs> but
1: yeah. Oh, you don't want Do you not? No, want, oh. no.
0: I I just I wasn't when I made it, I wasn't thinking about it. I also have a, my drag page which is um I mean all of the stuff that I do is apocalyptic. There's a few exceptions, but that one is Randy Rokotansky. So that one's probably easy for easier for people to find.
1: Oh, really? I didn't Oh, I do remember you were doing like the would it be considered drag king mm-hmm. then? Yeah, yeah. I I seen a few of those um, in the past. I totally that went <laughs> over my head that you were still doing that. I a- I
0: haven't. They, um, we'll have to talk about the accident. But yeah, I I currently don't do it much because I have an eye injury and stage lights oh, really bring out the really worst. Really bring out yeah. The worst I, I, yeah, I'm afraid I'm gonna fall off stage one day. So. Ooh. But That's
1: terrible. That's all right. So when you get on her Instagram page and you look through this stuff, like it's literally like, like she said, wasteland, apocalyptic um, dress up, but they do, you and your husband are into this, right? Mm-hmm. You guys both do an amazing job and you also do vehicles that I've seen. And it's just really like interesting to see this stuff. And you guys go out to the salt flats mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everything. What kind of got you into participating in this type of subculture alternate hobby?
0: Um, that's a great question because I, I always, and you know this, I always like skew toward the weird and the scary and like um, costuming in general. Um, and I was just into Mad Max on my own because, you know, I have no friends and no social life. And that's actually how my husband and I met. Um, I had a Mad Max wallpaper on my desk at work, and he saw it as he was walking by and was like, okay, I have to talk to this person. Um, And he's so, like, (laughs) he's funny because he was like, so I see you have a Mad Max wallpaper. And I was like, do you know about Wasteland Weekend? And he was like, no, I've never heard of it. He totally knew it. He was just trying to get me to talk, and it worked. Um, And so, like, since I had somebody that was also – Like he's a, he's a loner. He, he lives in his head and doesn't come out often. But with, with the both of us like into it, then we were like, okay, let's start making stuff. And we just started making stuff. Um, He had had a beetle before, sold it. And it was just like a regular, it was a cute little yellow super beetle. Um, But when we got together, he had access, like we saw a list for another beetle and I bought it for him. And we turned that into the it, the the scary beetle that
1: you, <laughs> that they, you can see on Instagram. Yeah, is that the one you just sent to me not too yeah, long ago that yeah. you guys are customizing?
0: Yeah, and it's I mean it's far from finished, but yeah, we um we and our friends like the the whole the whole thing with I guess the what you would call the wastelander like vibe is if it's rusty, if it's dusty, if it's junk, it's precious. And so, um, cars specifically like looking for the old junkers, looking for the rust buckets, like, um, it's, it's, uh, like a, I guess you could call it like an anti-materialism thing <laughs> because we, we like materials, but we like everything that everybody else this trash, yeah. So
1: one man's uh, trash is another uh, man's treasure. That old saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's. Did you um? So growing up, did you were you were really into Mad Max all that, like the old school ones, or were you more into this new revised uh, Mad Max that they've released recently?
0: Um, <clears throat> my dad, what watched Mad Max every time it came on TV. And we only had TV half the year, so it was like, you know, a special occasion. But I remember um, mom used to call him, my dad, Raggedy Man, because Tina Turner calls Max that um, in in Thunderdome. And so I always knew my dad as Raggedy Man, and I was, I was like, where did that come from? And then when I watched the movie as an adult, I was like, oh, my God, it was a Mad Max thing? I had no idea. <laughs> um, so, like, my husband could probably like recite all of the scripts of all of the Mad Max movies. I haven't seen the older ones in about five years, but when Fury Road came out, I went to go see it just like on a whim and fell in love, fell so in love. Um, And I also was really, at the time, well, I guess about five years before that, I was really into Fallout New Vegas. Like that game to me is in the top games of all time. And so I was already kind of like I wrote a lot of oh, I'm going to say this on on recording. I wrote a lot of Fallout New Vegas fan fiction and was super into that community. So when Fury Road came out, it was like another chapter of like, oh, apocalypse media. So
1: yeah. that that's cool because um, I, I was going to kind of elaborate on that. So there's like the Mad Max fandom and everything that I can see influences you. Other influences, one would be uh Fallout.
0: Yeah, super, super into Fallout. Um, I don't like the new ones as much, but that's just me being a picky purist. I love the old original Fallouts and I love Fallout New Vegas. Um, there's a lot of like zombie apocalypse media that I think a lot of Wastelanders also like if you're into Mad Max, you're also probably into zombies. Um, so there's a lot of crossover there and Um, we actually won at the very last zombie prom, we were crowned zombie king and zombie queen. Oh, (laughs) it was very, it was very fitting. Um, but yeah, I, uh so there's there's like zombies and there's like dystopian a lot of people who are into that are also into like cyberpunk and that like retro futuristic stuff which i am as well if you again if you've seen the drag like i have some retro futurism um influences there too so but pure wasteland is very skewed toward like mad max tribal like People living in tribes and creating their own tribes and that's that's a huge part of the culture.
1: Did you ever see that movie that came out? I think it was in the like two thousand nine, two thousand eight called Doomsday. Do you ever think see so. that one? Uh-uh. That's one I think you'd really enjoy. You should check it out. I will. Um, yeah, I'll uh I think I actually have an extra copy of it. I might be able to just nice. get you as you leave. But um that's a really interesting dystopia apocalyptic movie that has like obvious influence from the Mad Max era and everything like that. So I'll shoot that your way. And so in your drag king stuff, you really incorporate a lot of the apocalypse wastelander stuff as well and perform on stage. What? How do you perform on stage with that? Is it singing? Is it? Um,
0: I I am totally down to sing. Um, I've been a little picky about singing because oh, this is going to sound so elitist of me. I don't like to sing when people don't have good sound systems, if that makes sense. And that makes me sound like a diva. But I mean, I am doing drag, so maybe I am a diva. (laughs) Um, But a lot of it's lip syncing. A lot of it's just like, um, I don't know. Have you ever been to a drag show? Yeah. Yeah, just a lot of it's like interacting with the audience. And that gets really different when people have been exposed to like RuPaul and they think of drag as like, super poppy pink barbie like um that's what they think drag is and then then you have me coming in in like gigantic combat boots and like huge leather armor and i mean i absolutely terrify people like there's moments where i'll get dressed in like a hotel room and then walk out to the car and everybody scatters because i look like an absolute maniac and i love it that's my favorite (laughs) so yeah i think that for me, I wanted to, because I, I, I love the apocalypse and I love like dystopian stuff. Um, I, I'd like to say I have a lot of interest, but that's like one of the core like f- features of me is, is that like um, hobby. And so when, when I was thinking about what would a drag persona look like, absolute, 100% immediately was like, yeah, apocalypse. And uh, so Rokitansky is actually, and I've only had like two people that know this, Rokitansky is Max's last name. So my drag king has the same last name as Max from Mad Max. Oh, dude,
1: that's so, awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, people are like, are you from Poland? And I'm like, no, 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 no. This, <laughs> it's, it's from a movie. And, and then they just, yeah, anyway.
1: <laughs> so question for you. Because I don't know how long you've actually been doing the Wastelander stuff. You said you started that around
0: 2016
1: with Alan. 2016 with Alan. You both just kind of were like, "Let's let's give this a go." Because mm-hmm. before that, the way I came into contact with you is you were doing um oh uh,
0: pinup stuff. retro pinup yeah. stuff. Yeah, I um. Sorry, what was your question? <laughs> do, you,
1: do you still enjoy the cutesy side of that stuff? Do you still do the pinup modeling and things of that nature?
0: I absolutely enjoy it. What I think that I learned through, like, <laughs> since then, I've had a lot of trauma therapy. Um, I think that I learned that it's um, getting hyper is a little, um, I wouldn't say triggering because that's too strong of a word, but it feels oppressive. Like, it feels like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I love it. I love the looks. I love um, the dresses. I love car culture. Um, but at some point, it's just like this This feels so limited. And, I mean, I I don't believe in binary genders. I think there's a whole spectrum out there of, like, how you can express yourself. Um, and I didn't even know that drag kings existed. But, again, through, through therapy and years, at some point, I was like, let's try out the manly scary version. <laughs> so I do, I go to pinup. Um, I mean, I go do pinup things. I go to car shows. I just don't post it on social media as much because it feels like a, a thing I do for me now, if that makes any sense. So.
1: No, that does. So, yeah. So with the Wastelander stuff, is that a year long adventure where you go to different shows and things? Or is there one big event that you're prepping for every year?
0: <laughs> it's the one and it's in like, 10 days or something. <laughs> it's um not next. It doesn't start next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after that.
1: And where does this take place at?
0: In the middle of nowhere in California. It's about a 10 hour drive. Oh, really? From here, yeah.
1: And it's just that community from all across the United States From across in, the world. Oh, yeah. across the world. Yeah,
0: we have we have friends that come from Germany to that that we met because they were in Utah. But oh, wow. but now that now they're back in Germany. But yeah, all over the world. It's like um the thing is, a lot of people compare it to Burning Man in a way because you're out in the desert doing your thing um, and there's lots of like drinking and nudity and all that stuff. But it's so different. And I've never been to Burning Man, but it's so it, there's so many ways it's different. But if you're thinking like big desert gathering full of like artistic stuff, then then they do have that in common.
1: Yeah, that's that. It sounds really intriguing. Um, God bringing up Burning Man. You got to feel bad for them this year, right? Dude, do I? (laughs) Well, I, I guess you don't have to. I just I see news articles. I didn't really dive deep into it, but they got like (laughs) out.
0: Out. <laughs> I'm I'm I remember I like seek the apocalypse so when bad things happen to people like this I'm like ah it's the world ending <laughs> told you you weren't prepared I do I do have some I do have compassion for them and like when I heard that people were late because they were just walking out I was like bro have you never read a survival manual don't just walk off into the desert like that's how you end up dead so there's there's a small amount of alarm but also a large amount of glee, which makes me sound like a bad person, but...
1: No, I, I, I find it interesting because you just said um, survival manuals and stuff. So along with the artistic element of Wastelanders, do you dive deep into the actual practical um, implications of the apocalypse?
0: I, I personally... I think I fall somewhere in the middle. There are people that are into it that are absolutely preppers, and they've got their whole like root cellar full, you know, and like their their water containers. I um, I guess where I fall is is that I'm suspicious uh, that that anything will ever be okay, you know. Like I don't, and I, I mean I have common sense, and I grew up in the woods, so it's like I have a lot of like natural survival skills. But I don't, I I don't like to go into prepper territory because as somebody with ocd like you can really get those wheels spinning and go absolutely nuts before you know like my dad was off grid and like he was like that and so super prep like prepper having like the old radios you know and the dc light bulbs and i don't know like i more power to people that can do that i just can't it would take away from my mental peace if i like went down that road
1: So you're, you're in the middle, you, you, you know, enough to get by, but you're not the layman person who doesn't even have enough food (laughs) to survive for the next two days. Yeah. Who would walk
0: off into the desert. (laughs) 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 Yeah. No, I, uh, like, you know, there's always the, the conversation that comes up of like, what would you do in an apocalypse? What would you do in a zombie apocalypse? I'd be the last man standing. And I'm like, I'd probably die like five minutes in. Like, you know, you just, that's one of those things where it's like, you got to give up control. If you're going to enjoy the apocalypse, you got to give up control. What's going to happen is going to happen. If I end up on somebody's dinner plate, I'm okay with that. Like, it's the apocalypse. So, you know, it's fine.
1: Now you said you, you grew up in the woods. Mm-hmm. You were from Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. Tennessee. Right? Tennessee. Mm-hmm. What, um, what was growing up in Tennessee like at a young age running around the woods? If your dad was off grid, meaning he didn't rely on power, water, stuff like that, he was totally mm-hmm. self sufficient.
0: Mm-hmm. He, um, yeah, so I grew up in Appalachia um, and in a very, this, like, if this tells you how little technology I had access to, I remember watching the Andy Griffith show at my, my Nana's house and I thought, like, that was modern day. Like, I didn't understand that that was set in the past. And at some point when I got older, I was like, wait a minute. It's not 1950. Like, I, wait a minute. People have like big TVs, and people like have hot tubs. Just like the civilization that was around me was um, news to me because I didn't grow up around it. So yeah, he was. My dad was, um, if you can imagine, like um, just a old, uh, ZZ top beard having hermit in the woods that like shot his own meet and grew his own garden and had his own spring and did not want to rely on anybody for anything. That was my dad. So I had to grow up around that. He was also a felon. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I had like tattoo artists named Lefty as my babysitter and things like that. So it was fun. Yeah. That's interesting. I
1: I don't think a lot of people out, especially on the West Coast, even grasp the concept of Appalachia and how backwoods and run down some of those areas can get i uh last september made a trip a road trip back to west virginia and you get in some of those small communities that have been devastated by their economy and things and i remember we were like driving down this road and we're like all oh, this stuff's bad aban- it's not abandoned people are living in these <laughs> they don't have power they mm-hmm. and it's like the actual poverty levels in some of these places are extreme and it's eye-opening and you like I found myself leaving there because I will like all the time get little like snide comments and remarks from people that you live in magna, magna? and i'm like yeah i live in magna i know it's not south jordan harriman but i own my own home in magna <laughs> and i'm like if you guys want to know what real hard up uh, communities are like go back there and look at some of these because you have no idea oh yeah how poor it, it, it can be in some of those areas and how um innovative people can be. like um, I don't know if you've ever watched uh, Soft White Underbelly. It's a YouTube channel. Mm-mm. It's this uh, photographer. I think believe his name's Mark Lieta or Liotta, something like that. And he interviews people and he went back to West Virginia and found these people that are off the grid, very kind of inbred as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I think they're called the uh, Whitakers.
0: That big family, that real big family. Yeah. yeah. And
1: it's just so interesting to see how they live. Mm-hmm. It's same country, totally different.
0: It is. I, um, Alan, Alan, it's funny you mentioned that about Magna because I remember moving out here, which and now was a million years ago. And I remember somebody was like, we had to go pick up some furniture. And somebody was like, you're going to Magna? Lock your windows. And I was like, okay. And then I saw Magna and I was like, what, a, like, what about, you know, like, what's the big deal? I, to this day, I'm not quite sure, you know, what? whatever. Anyway, people have, people in Utah are very um, sheltered from a lot of like, like you said, the the intense poverty that people go through, I don't think that it exists in this state on the level that it exists in Appalachia. Um, but yeah, I, uh, that's how I grew up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it's wild. Because now when I go back home, like all of the hospital I was born in is closed. It's abandoned. The school that I grew up in abandoned. Um, half the houses are burned down because of electrical fires. And like, Um, Yeah when Alan saw it he was he was shocked and it was really good for me because when I showed him around I was like now do you get why I'm the way that I am like now do you understand me and he did like he totally understood me better from seeing that like I don't know it's post apocalyptic in a way it really is like it feels that way down there sometimes
1: does going back there get you a little bit like excited to see those old abandoned structures and go do you go in and explore them and things (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah yeah that's my jam i think anybody i think anybody who's into wasteland is also a little bit into urban exploration and not that i would call that urban exploration but yeah we we uh i was pregnant and we broke into my school another elementary school that closed down and an abandoned theme park in Maggie Valley, North Carolina, all in the same like two days. And I was like, you know, I'm pregnant. Nobody's going to even like, you know what I mean? Like I have pregnant um, privilege. (laughs) Like let me trespass. And it was awesome. It was so fun.
1: It's very different back there, too. Like the urbex community and all of that abandoned photography and exploration has blown up on in the past like five, 10 years due to Instagram, Facebook, all that. And it's interesting how different it is from West Coast to East Coast, the structures, the quote unquote rules. I've always found back East, it's way more lax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. West Coast, you get caught, it's like they're charging you, you're going, You're they're going to hit you with the book. East Coast is like, eh, yeah, it's an abandoned yeah. structure. You, yeah. Just yeah. be careful and then there's snakes.
0: <laughs> no, it's true. It really is true. And, and like a good... Um, a good rule of thumb, at least, like say in my area, is I have somebody with you who has the native accent, because if they hear what they what they call a Yankee accent, they're gonna be pissy. But if they hear somebody like me talking, they're oh, do whatever you want. But yeah, I what shocks me is um, how if you leave a structure in where I'm from, if you leave it to its own. In about two years, it's gone, like it's overgrown, and it's covered in mold and moss and rust. And uh, it's very dangerous at that point because it's like a sopping sponge, you know out here there's like ghost towns that have structures built in like the 1890s. And I'm like, how is this still here? Just because it's so like the air preserves it. It's wild to me.
1: Yeah. I think it would be, um, due to the whole fact of Utah and a lot of the West coast, low humidity where the East coast, you have high humidity. We went in, uh, when we went to West Virginia, we went to this hospital called Trans Allegheny and it's just, massive complex. And I remember going through some of these places because we bought the like special photography pass that let us go wherever we wanted. Nice. And I was like, is this stairwell going to like the concrete's cracked, there's mold and what am I breathing? All this stuff gets my alarms kind of (laughs) going off. But I also had a heyday because it reminded me, I was like, Right now, I feel like I'm in the last of us video game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, have you played Resident Evil 7, the one with the mold? And the I reasons? haven't
1: played that one Dude, yet.
0: It's scary as hell. And like it is that it's like a rotten, rundown, like swampy house. And like it just gives you the ick. Like there is an ick about that part of the country being in those. And not only that, but like, yeah, am I going to fall through a staircase? Is a raccoon going to land on my face from the floorboard <laughs> above me? Like. It is so unsafe. (laughs) Wear a mask if you're going to go.
1: Oh, yeah. It was was funny because I was, um, COVID, COVID was one of those times where I was, and I will admit it, almost utterly terrified by what the media pushed on all of us, Mm -hmm. but also kind of intrigued and interested because I've always been into the pandemic apocalypse films, such as Outbreak, Contagion, things of that nature. And I was like, and that Doomsday movie I told you about, so I was like this is going to be kind of fun. It's yeah. like an experiment and we'll see if it actually plays out like the movies. And I remember part of me would wear these masks just cause I was like playing a character. Oh a yeah. Bit. Yeah. And like, I would, I had like P100 filters <laughs> mm-hmm. on and you knew what they were. And I was yeah. like, Oh, Alex is cool. So I, wore, know I wore I wore those these actually too. Are. Yeah, I
0: I wore those to like every like in the first two or three months because I have to I had them at work, so like I I was like I'm gonna wear these to the store. Like ain't ain't no germs getting through here. <laughs> so yeah.
1: I know people at people at work were always giving me hell, <laughs> and everywhere I went, I just I felt kind of like I was having a fun time because it was like playing dress up a little bit for me. I was like, you yeah. should get into
0: wasteland? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be perfect.
1: Oh, yeah. It was totally cool. Did, um, did COVID bother you at all when that all came out, or were you kind of like,
0: mm. I, there are things that I'm going to say that, pe- like, if anybody's listening, they're going to be like, what? A psycho. But that's okay. Um, I was, and Alan, I'll just lump him into, we were disappointed by COVID, because And I'm not speaking for all wastelanders when I say this, but I think a lot of people who are into post-apocalyptic stuff, um, see that the train on its tracks of society right now is not on a good path. It's not doing too well. And like, if we can push it off and like do something different, we really should, like we should be doing something different. Um, and so when COVID happened, I, I, there was some where I'm, I'm not so germaphobic, um, so there was a little bit of worry of like oh man I'm going to get this disease and it's going to kill me but I guess I'm just reckless cuz I was like meh. for me the fear was like are people going to like s- are people going to take this as like I don't know I, I don't want to say wake up call cuz that sounds so cliche but where it's like are we going to do something now like are we like we have a pandemic are we going to do anything and then pfft, nothing happened. <laughs> like yeah. there wasn't there was a nice few months I'm sure you remember where um, people stopped driving and the wildlife came back and animals came out and like all of the water in Venice turned blue again. And it was like, see, see, this is good. We're And then, eh. and so, uh, yeah, it was a disappointment in the end. But during the time I was, I was just hopeful. And uh, well, just don't be hopeful about an apocalypse, I guess is the lesson I learned. <laughs>
1: I think me, myself, when I seen it after about six months in, I was like, okay, the virus isn't as deadly as it was projected at first and all this stuff. And I was like, man, this really shows me that we are screwed Mm -hmm, if something mm -hmm. big happens. You cannot rely on the government (laughs) or anyone but yourself to really take care of yourself because this virus that at that time they were touting like a 3% fatality rate made people lose their minds and just seeing how unorganized governments around the world were to it, I'm like, dude, if like yeah. babies mutated and <laughs> zombies happened, we're all screwed. Yeah, we're gone.
0: We're totally gone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That 100%. Yeah, I remember the like, because we had where I worked, um, because we were first responders, we had to like do the contact tracing with the health department. Nightmare. Nightmare. I would rather file books through the Dewey Decimal System than deal with that again. And I I was thinking, like, this is futile. This is a joke. You people like, yeah, we're we're done. If it's a pathogen, we're done.
1: (laughs) I I totally agree because I (laughs) was working where I still work now in transportation in the school industry. And they were trying to contact Trace on the buses. I'm like, if this came (laughs) on the bus, everyone was exposed. That's just how it works. Yep.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, at least we know now, at least we like know not to like get our hopes up if, if the fungus comes uh, to life or whatever. So
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, What brought you because you said so you, you grew up in Tennessee, in this non traditional uh, lifestyle. What brought you to Utah of all places? Or did you go somewhere else first?
0: Um, I was, so I was taken out of my home and put into foster care when I was 15 and I aged out of the system there. And that time I was in 17 different foster homes in Tennessee, all over the state. And so if somebody's like, oh, I know blah in Tennessee, I usually know what they're talking about. Cause I was just moved all around. Um, and when I was 18, so I had this caseworker who, she was a very nice lady and she was very posh and she was so cool. And I just wanted to be like her. And she would always talk about, do you watch what we do in the shadows? Yes. You know how um, Laszlo says Arizona. Mm-hmm. She she would talk about Arizona all the time and how like nice Arizona was, and I was like, I want to go out west like that. I'm uh, okay, and so I tried like for a minute. I tried to like stay in college and just no support. Like when you're in foster care, obviously lots of poverty in my family, lots of mental health issues, and I was just like, eh, screw it. I'm going out west, and so. I chose Utah literally because my friend was like, there's jobs here. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was was 18, so I was very, like, noncommittal. But I just – I grew up with Westerns. I grew up with, like, seeing Monument Valley on the TV every now and then. And, like, yeah, I just – I was like, yeah, that'll if I go far enough away from my problems, I won't have any. And uh that part wasn't true, but the rest of it, like I really like I like the west. It's it's uh, like a different planet to me. So yeah.
1: definitely. And then so when you came out here, what kind of cuz I know you as being and it's like you just recently posted something in the change of career, but I know you as kind of a background I used to have as well as an EMT. Mm-hmm. Did you jump into the EMT stuff right as you came out to Utah or
0: Sort of the job um, that I was pointed towards, which like for an 18 year old, I thought it was so cool, was working for CBI security. And it's so weird because I I literally was just told, oh, they'll hire you, even though you have like you're 18 and have nothing. And um, my aunt is a security guard. My older sister is a security guard. And my grandfather was a security guard. And I had no idea about any of that until later. So I was like, wow, it just must run in the family somehow. And then it became like doing security jobs. And then I did teaching and I have ADHD, so I do everything. Um, But like at some point I was like, you know, I'm really good in the crisis and I've seen some dead bodies. I should probably learn like what to do with that. So that's, that's when I like chose EMS. Um, And I love it. I love EMS and I miss it. Um, This year will be 11 years of me being an EMT, but.
1: And are you, you're an advanced, right? No, oh, no, I never basic. got it.
0: Yeah. I was a um, training officer and, and I have my instructor certification so I can, I can teach it, but gotcha, yeah, most of the places that, most of the places that you go that aren't on a rig get real weirded out when you bring up meds and needles and they don't want to deal with it so most of the places you go outside of like working for a county they're like no we just want basics
1: yeah no I totally understand that because I used to work up at uh Kennecott up yeah yeah
0: I would love to go up there like I was never I never worked in that area but that'd be cool mines are cool
1: yeah it was definitely interesting and I had a lot I got a lot of cool experience up there um, but the one thing that sucks about EMS, and I, I miss EMS as well. It's I love how everything is kind of different and how you're going into these situations. But sadly, and I don't know how this reflects broadly across the nation, but in Utah, if you're not working for a fire department, you ain't making shit.
0: Yeah. You, most of the EMTs I know that have a living wage work about 70 hours a week. Yeah. And I just can't do that. Yeah. That's what, that's why I left. I mean, it literally came down to like, I want to be in my son's life and I don't want to be working 70 hour weeks anymore. So I need to go do something else. So.
1: I, I don't blame you at all because that's kind of what I was doing. I was up at Kennecott and we were working like our, wage was that of crap but there was so much overtime that was pushed on us that we made pretty good money Mm -hmm. but i was like i'm working 16 hour days up here Mm -hmm. i'm watching people go home and come back and i still haven't got off and it drove me mad so i was like i'm out i went to the fire academy and did all that got my fire certs and everything like that but i quickly learned my ass is a little claustrophobic (laughs) so although i graduated the fire academy and Got through that, and I am so great for that whole experience. I was like, I
0: probably
1: shouldn't go be a firefighter. That's fair.
0: That's fair. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. I was going to – firefighting too is um, – even though it shouldn't be, it is a bit of a good old boys club. Like there's a definite – there's a definite you've got like 60 and 70-year-olds that just won't quit. And,
1: I, yep. So, I whatever. I would, I would agree wholeheartedly. And when I was trying to get on at departments, that was back in like – 2011, 2012, there was like the rush for the public safety careers Mm -hmm. to where it was extremely difficult to um, get on a hiring list because you were competing with 500 individuals for 10 jobs. And now... There's been a huge switch in that.
0: People are like, bye. Yeah. People don't want to work
1: for the low wages <laughs> mm-hmm. and risk their lives and go through some of the public scrutiny that police, fire, mm-hmm. and EMS all go through. So now you if you get through, you have a good chance of getting on. But I'm like 33 now and I'm like, yeah, I'm so cross-to-public. That never <laughs> changed. So I am not going to pursue that. Um you made a, uh like a post that I kind of wanted to ask you about. You were becoming an electrician?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that is like in that blows my mind because I'm not one to like put uh, gender roles on people or <laughs> anything like that. But I'm like, I don't think I've ever met a female electrician. I have one friend that's an electrician and I know how hard that field can be. Like you're going into something that is it's tough.
0: Yeah, I um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting being me because I never quite feel one gender or the other, and again, that's something I learned after a lot of therapy, and um, when I was at where I used to work, US Mag out in the desert, there were electricians there, and um, I guess somehow I became friends with a lot of them because, A, they were just good people, they were good guys, B, like, they were very concerned with safety, a lot of them were, because if you're an electrician and you're not, you're You're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Like they they knew more safety than um probably anybody else out there, in my opinion. And um and then the other thing was they got to go where they wanted. Like it was a huge industrial plant and like people were stuck in their work areas and like if you're electrician, you could do whatever like whatever needs done, you're going. And so I had like jealousy because I was stuck in the clinic, you know, and bring your mangled people to me. And, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, yeah, at some point during COVID um, there were, there were two of them specifically that uh, started talking with me more one-on-one and they're like, you know, you could do this, right? Like you're pretty smart. And I'm like, mm, no. And I resisted, but COVID I think made everybody go, say la vie. <laughs> and so when I was like, you know, I can't do this EMT 70 hour week it's like, what am I going to do next? And, um, yeah, that's, I just arrived at electrician and it, it works for me because, um, I have a fascination obviously with apocalypse, but also with like old things like vintage things and like the history of electricity is super fascinating to me. Um, and luckily we live in a time where I can say, I want to be an electrician (laughs) and, there's probably so many people that are like under, but they're not going to say it out loud. I mean, they might, but they haven't yet. Um, so yeah, I hope that in the future that 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 happens. I I hope in general that more people get into the trades because I think that they're they're worthy to to be in. I would consider you a tradesman, like having a skill that you perfect over years, and like your your body is what you're working with hopefully in a healthy way, like, I think that's very, um, that's something to be proud of. And
1: I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I definitely am with you. Like there are so many trade jobs out there that for lack of a better term, are kind of just shit on, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're a plumber, you're an electrician, you're HVAC, you do this, you do that. And it's like, no, those are trade jobs that are highly skilled, highly educated individuals that in schools, at least when I was in school, they didn't push any of that Same. on me. You, you go to college and you go get that huh? uh, degree and that's where you get the money. Yep. And then COVID happened and we were shown <laughs> that all the office jobs were that of A crap <laughs> and the tradespeople are the ones that were keeping this. And just the average worker themselves yeah. out there, the... Food handlers, this, that the
0: blue collars, yeah. Blue
1: collar is what this country's based upon, not the people sitting in the desks.
0: I totally agree. And and again, that's one of those things where I was like, it's gonna it's gonna turn around. COVID and it didn't. But maybe we'll still get there. But I I have a huge respect for for those type of jobs and, and I, I would consider EMS that. Um it's just again, what a, how am I gonna eat? But um yeah, I don't know. There's something and it's it's intimidating. Electrical's intimidating. But when I was in school, when I was in high school, I remember looking at the tech school and one of the teachers was like, oh, yeah, that's where all the dropouts go. And like there were kids outside the building smoking in front of the teacher. And it was kind of like, oh, that's where. And I don't know. It's it's so sad that that's how that's how it is. Hopefully that changes. But
1: yeah, I, I hope so, too. I think there are other like. I don't I've never been there but I hear like in Europe and stuff like especially like Germany and things trades are really pushed in the high school systems over there and I hope that and I think it's getting better I think people have kind of woken up to the fact that you need people to fix things around this yeah. nation.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I think so and I hope so.
1: And the intricacies of some of these trade jobs um you were talking about how like the history of electricians and electricity itself like, I, one of the things I love when I go through some of these abandoned buildings that I've been through is looking at all the old wire work, all yeah. the old knob and tube wiring and these yes. panels and just all this stuff. And I'm like, someone wired this whole place <laughs> yeah, back in the 20s. Like, this is amazing. How did people do this? Yeah. Um, What does the path to an electrician look like for you? Because I know there's, like, steps you have to take, right, before you take that exam that i have heard is on par with the bar like (laughs) it's supposed to be extremely difficult
0: the fourth years at at my school seem to stress about it um it's uh it sucks for me because uh to go on my my feminist rant if you are a caretaker of a child which men are hardly ever the primary caregivers because i'll tell you why in our family um Alan makes more money than me. He always will make more money than me. And he's very skilled. And so, I mean, he deserves to make a lot of money. But it's like I can't go out and work and leave him with Ender because I'll be making EMT wages. And um, so for me, I you have to do school. You have to have a certain amount of hours of school and training. I think it's like 72 a semester or something. Um, and then you also have to apprentice. So you have to have your apprentice hours in. And with me, with having Ender, it's been when can I work? Cause he just started kindergarten. Um, we'll pay for a daycare. Okay. That's about $800 a month. Where am I going to get that? <laughs> so like, it's, it's a rock and a hard place, but I finally found, um, an awesome boss. Like he, he runs his own company. He's a master electrician. He's so smart. Like, man, I just love smart people. Like when somebody can blow my mind with how intelligent they are, that's a good, that's good. <laughs> and like he, he does. And, um, uh, He's only looking for part time right now. Hopefully, full time in the future. And so, yeah, I apprentice with him, and so far, mostly it's like very simple things. Um, <laughs> lots of bringing tools back and forth. And like, the thing is, a lot of people in the trades when they apprentice, and I think this is especially true for electrical apprentices, um, they they have an ego and they don't want to do the grunt work. And it's like, hey, sweep up our mess. And I'm like, okay. Like, I don't have a problem with grunt work. I love grunt work. If I can do something to help, like, I will help. I don't have to have the glory. Same thing with EMS. Like, if I need to restock the ambulance, I'll restock it. If I need to clean up bodily fluids, I'll do it. Like, I don't have a problem with, like, unglamorous work. So, yeah, apprenticing has been different than I thought, um, but in a good way. Like, finding him has been just great. So, hopefully hopefully it keeps being great.
1: <laughs> is that a paid apprenticeship? Yeah, oh, it that's is. Awesome.
0: It is. And it goes up like most companies depending on what year you are and they judge that based off of like what you've learned in school and how many hours you have. So, even though I'm in my 3rd year of school, I really am only a first year apprentice because I just started work. Like you can't you can't book learn electric work. <laughs> like yeah. you you can you can read all the textbooks you want. It's not going to click until you do it. But Um, so yeah, the more that, the more that you do it as an apprentice, the higher your pay is, and then you journey out and then you, then your life's great from what I understand. So, well,
1: well, that's awesome. And it's, it's awesome that you're doing that while raising a child as well, because as you had mentioned earlier, childcare has gotten astronomically expensive. Like it's, I don't know how people do it. It's like, just you, you have a kid, you either stay home. Or like you said, $800 a month. month. Like, holy cow. And that's on top of mortgage. Mm -hmm. Cars. Cars. Yeah. Everything is so expensive. I almost want the apocalypse to happen. I know. We need an
0: apocalypse. (laughs) This is, it'll come and everything will be cheap again. And most of us will probably die and that's okay. (laughs) So, you know.
1: How, um, How does your child take to the wasteland experience? Do you guys incorporate him or
0: have you ever seen, I'm sure you have, but do you know the monsters? You know how they have that totally normal cousin that's, they're like, oh, that poor, that poor ugly thing. And <laughs> that's how, that's how my son is. We went to Fanex and like um, this year it was, gosh, it must have been 2021. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, one year we went to Fanex and we had a Wastelander booth and it was me and Alan and a couple of friends. And we had all of our gear. We had all these weapons. It was awesome. And we make Inder wasteland clothes. That's my son, and we like he has his own wasteland weapons. And you know it's X. like Spider-Man's there, Iron Man's there, the Incredible Hulk's there. He was over it. He was like, I want to go home. I just want to go home. And I'm like, Wh- whose child are you? <laughs> and so like he he like tapped out and he's like, I don't want to do anything. And so like he'll go out camping with us. And it's like, do you want to do you want to dress up? Do you want to put face paint on? No, I just want to go look at bugs. And like. We make... We, like, have, like, handmade structures. I think maybe you've seen pictures that there's, like, the big shelters that we have. So he loves camping, but, like, the the cool, like, rad post like, creepies. He, he could not care less. Really? So Yeah. So, like, he's funny. And he'll ride in the Beetle, like, when, when um, Alan goes out in the Beetle, because it's a convertible. Like, Ender can stand up in the back. Obviously, we're out on the Salt Flats, so there's no, like... And... I don't know. He to to him, what we do is so normal that it's boring. <laughs>
1: that's that's gonna be so interesting when your kids like in the teenage years. And he's like, Oh my parents. Yeah, mom.
0: <laughs> stop wearing your stupid costume.
1: <laughs> How do you go about creating these costumes? Do you just go to the DI and find stuff that you can put together? Do you have a specific way, like a vision for an like outfit you're like in your brain, or do you just randomly put stuff together?
0: Um, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I am ai do not even know how, how you would say it. I'm very good at like visualizing a character and what they would wear. So like for me, I think of a specific character. My first one was Kaiser from Fallout New Vegas or Caesar, however you want to call him. I was like, what would a female Caesar look like? And so I had like feathers and like golden, um, coins and, be- and so like there's a for me there's a fashion design aspect to it and I love looking like that's when I'll go back and watch the old Mad Max movies and other movies and even things like um like horror movies that have really um flamboyant characters in them because you can wear Wasteland casual you can just dirty up a t-shirt and a shorts, but that ain't what it's about it's about going all out you want to like you want to wear like big theatrical at least I do like you want to look ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculous, <laughs> <laughs> you want to look like it's the end of the world and you're on top of the world, and so I'm very good at like visualizing it. And Alan is very good at like, oh, we could make that with this, or we could use this piece. And a lot of it is this uh, thrift stores, they used to be my refuge, and now they're just as expensive as Walmart used to be. Like, oh. Uh, Anyway, it's just, the truth. Just let it all just let it all come crashing down already. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say um thrift stores are good. A really like I think the Holy Grail to us in the Salt Lake costuming group is NPS. Like that's that's where you go to get weird shit cuz I don't know how to sew. Like I I can hand sew if I must and you don't want me doing it, but like um wasteland clothes are like welded together um riveted together like they're not always sewn together um if you're good at it go for it but again we we hardly ever sew i use e6000 that's how i sew so <laughs> so like there's um it's a lot different when we showed up i remember the f- first year we went to Phoenix um and that was around the time that i met missy moody as well mm-hmm. like there were people just so confused they were like how did you how did you do that i'm like why is this held together with wire <laughs> it's like because that's the apocalypse but cosplay i think is so um and in this state it's like so heavily reliant on the theater community where you have these like amazing like uh artists who can sew really well um and and there are people that do wasteland stuff that can do that too but you do not have to know how to sew to make a you have to, what you have to do is get your clothes dirty. <laughs> you have to be not afraid of dirt and ruin and like slashing it up. So
1: So NPS is one of your go to stores. If people don't know what NPS is, it's basically a store that gets damaged freight from trucks that have been tipped over or whatever and Like, I wouldn't even think about, like, costuming there, but you're right. There's a lot of random stuff that shows up at that place.
0: Yeah, NPS is the closest we'll ever get to, like, a true apocalyptic bartering, like, hub. Yeah, Because it is just wild. Yeah, you go in there and it's, like, fabric, um, canned food, parts for like big wheel trucks and it's like why what <laughs> like, I,
1: lo- I love that you're saying that because that just clicked with me like i'm like oh yeah in all these video games i played where you go to this central location <laughs> yeah. and it's like a store and you're buying all this random stuff that's exactly what MBS yeah. is. it is it's
0: it's uh it's amazing and it's i don't know i just love the vibe i would rather deal Any day with the people in NPS, both working there and shopping there, than deal with the people in the Park City, like boutique clothes. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) I stay away from Park City. It's too bougie for me. Yes, I (laughs) am. I I will find myself up there once in a blue moon. Mm -hmm. And being a photographer, I always go to the photo art galleries. And I always get just so frustrated with how expensive the photography is. And I get it. You're in Park City. You're selling to the the people that got the money. But I'm just like, the photographers up there sometimes, I think, come off a little snooty. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, I took this here. I'm like, <laughs> you didn't take that photo any better than... Jeremy over yeah. here that has his stuff sitting in the coffee shop in West Valley.
0: Totally. Absolutely. And that like it's funny you mentioned the art galleries because like I love art and I make art. Um I don't think that I'm very good at it, but the point is I'll always stop in an art gallery, you know. I will not go in one in park city. I don't do anything. Like if I'm walking Main Street, I may go in and get a $17 coffee. <laughs> and like I've gone to they have a drag show up there that I've gone to and like again, just prepare to empty your wallet. But, uh, yeah, other than that, you can't. So, I don't know. It's people, I think, have a negative maybe they don't. But when I've taken people who've never been to NPS to NPS, they're like a little shell shocked at, like, oh my lord, what is this? And it's like, it's okay, it's chill. Like, this is everybody out here living their best life amid, I mean, piles of junk. So, like, <laughs> just embrace it.
1: It's so, so true. I went. I was introduced to that store at a very young age, like six or seven, my grandparents, they would babysit me during the summer while my parents worked. And that was like one of their favorite stores. Heck yeah. And they would just pile up on food and all this (laughs) stuff and... So, I am totally like, I walk into NPS and it's like I'm at home. Yeah. I've done it forever, <laughs> but I know the feeling when you take someone there that's never been there. Yeah. They're like, they don't know why. <laughs> <Yeah. store?" laughs>
0: well, nothing's labeled. Some things aren't out of the box, other things are breaking out of the box. And there's like just this vibe of like, every man for himself around you you know like it's 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 a totally different experience than going to walmart but in my opinion it's for the better so
1: it is and it's not in a commercial area it's totally industrial south salt lake or something yeah yeah
0: Yeah, you feel like it's the apocalypse when you go into nps and that's i love it it's great (laughs) yeah
1: it's it's a really really cool store and the cool thing about it is it's ever changing on their inventory Mm -hmm. that's in there Mm mm-hmm so final question I want to ask you before I let you go for the night. Apocalypse. What would be your version of an apocalypse? What would you like to see if it were to come raining down? Are you the meteor hits the earth or are you the zombies taking over?
0: Um, well, in a probably stereotypical answer, I would just say complete nuclear devastation. <laughs> i almost i almost went into the nuclear field that was one of my like top choices i love nuclear energy i do not love nuclear weapons um but like again with fall i have that whole like obsession with mid-century atomic age back to pinup um i don't know i'm i feel like that's uh a maybe the most realistic but also b like what a way to go out! Like complete annihilation, and uh, yeah, I don't know. But I, my, my hope for the apocalypse is is that it's not an apocalypse. It's that it's like getting back to basics because I, I feel like humanity needs to do that. One of the, one of the nicest things about being a wastelander is you you find a tribe or you find multiple tribes, and you your friends are part of tribes, and like there's an identity in that that like a lot of a lot of normies in the modern world i don't think that they have and maybe they find it in different places not that our like tribes are better than other you know pe- people other people's tribes but it's such a strong aspect of wasteland where it's like your tribe is your family and um i i like i said, I, I feel like i feel like that would help us out a lot <laughs> i feel like that would help us out a lot as a society maybe not maybe we go back to fighting but i mean we're fighting now um but yeah, I don't know. Just I think that my hope for the apocalypse would be that it brings people together.
1: <laughs> did you... Um, saying that you're... I, I love your answer, by the way. And saying that you're really into the atomic stuff and nuclear energy. Did you watch Oppenheimer? Have you seen that no, movie
0: yet? No, I didn't. I watched the Barbie movie instead. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it two times and I loved it. No, I didn't. I um, I... I don't like Christopher Nolan's glorification of like, I don't what I would perceive to be some pretty negative spots of human history, and that not just Christopher Nolan. I think in general I have a hard time with like historical movies because I'm like, mm, did they really like were they really? There's your the point you're not getting here, so but that's just me being snooty. Barbie was perfect in every way. <laughs> I'll watch it every day for the rest of my life.
1: <laughs> that movie got it like a love hate reaction. Like a it lot sure of people did. loved it and a lot of people hated it. I haven't seen it. I don't know anything <laughs> about it. I just know that some people were like it sucked and other people were like it was good. And I was like. Not my cup of tea. Yeah, you got all
0: these (laughs) horrific clowns and like dolls in here, but you're like, no, Barbie,
1: absolutely not. That's awful. Well, I love Barbie and Toy Story. I'll give you that, though. She's good.
0: She's good. (laughs) Nobody can do kin like Michael Keaton. He was was absolutely kin for sure. So, yeah.
1: Do you feel like we're close to an atomic apocalypse, nuclear apocalypse, the whole Ukraine-Russian thing? Or do you think that will just phase out and become another one of these long, drawn-out wars for money?
0: When it first started, I thought that I was, like, I was more upset with that than than I think I was for COVID. Had I not had a son, I would absolutely went over to fight. Like, I would be over there fighting now. I, like, I, I, and before I had Ender, I was looking into going to um, South Korea to help North Koreans escape. Like, I have this, like, very strong desire to go fight, (laughs) to go fight people, Um, but when, when the, the Ukraine russian war started i was like okay this is it for quite a few months and then like now i think i've finally i think the second outcome what you said is the likely where it's like this is going for 30 years and lots of people will make money over it and yeah it sucks
1: yeah it's amazing military industrial complex and the arm Mm -hmm. that they have in the hands and everything and money it's just it
0: sucks and
1: it's devastating to see there's a quote i heard a I think it's from a Lincoln Park song or something. And it's something to the effect of when the rich wage war, it's the poor that die. Mm. And it's so true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You totally. S- you see the devastation out there. And you see when they talk to like layman Russians and layman Ukrainians, they don't want to fight. Yeah. They who, don't want to do would? this crap. <laughs>
0: yeah. Who would? If, if you're just living your life and like, tr- again, trying to take care of your family, that's the last thing. That's the last thing people want to do. But it's always the ones who have the power that make those choices of like, well, I guess we're going to fight because we're going to start a war. So it's infuriating. It's very true.
1: But My true one last question. Okay. <laughs> Destination of a lifetime for wastelanding. Where would it be? Would it be Chernobyl? I mean, I know a lot of <laughs> urbex people like that's on their high list. Or is there another one out there?
0: Um, I would love to go to Chernobyl and... Um, that's just like dude i talk about special interests like i could tell you everything that happened like during pripyat i i, I have studied it <laughs> like it. Is, i am an expert in chernobyl um but i would also really like to go and it's kind of kind of sucky because they kind of like removed the road and made it not a tourist destination but centralia pennsylvania you know the town that silent hill is based on I would love to go there. But, yeah, they uprooted the, uprooted the road and, like, it doesn't look anything like how it used to look. So That's
1: the town where the coal mine and the coal fires yeah. underneath are still burning. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And the road was, like, I mean, to me, in my, like, abandoned heart, it was beautiful. This, like, lonely road into town and it's all cracked and there's smoke. Like, that road was, like, one of my bucket lists. Probably, I guess, the top bucket list. and um, And then the some some dumbass was like, let's just t- tank the road up because there's too many people coming in here and graffitiing. And so they did that. <laughs> but yeah, if I could go back in time, Centralia, I so guess. So
1: you're highly educated on Chernobyl and Pripyat and that whole disaster. Mm. What do you think of the, was it Oliver Stone that just made a new documentary on it? Someone made a documentary. I'm trying to think of, it just came out recently where it kind of goes against the traditional ideas of
0: how it started, how it
1: started and how it's actually not as disastrous as played out to be. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Fukushima was worse. Um, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen anything new.
1: I think it's, let me see if I can look it up real quick. Who did it? I was listening to a podcast that had, um, documentary no that's the mini series.
0: and see that's one of those where i'm like i can't watch this it's not historically accurate kind of like oh, oppenheimer is, is, is the
1: miniseries kind of off
0: <laughs> yeah i watched one episode and i was like no ma'am we're not doing this we're not going to glorify this and like make a drama out of it that's just to me that's in poor taste but what do i know i'm just some bitch
1: because <laughs> <laughs> they had the Didn't they have the lost tapes as well and all of those? Has there been one that's been pretty accurate that you know of?
0: God, I absorbed them all so fast. I don't know if you're familiar with like autism, special interest brain, but you just like inhale every piece of like media that you can get your hands on. And so I couldn't tell you one from the other. I just know that I I watched everything out there on it, read a few books. And actually when I lived in Sweden, I had a boss who was in Sweden when it happened. And like he's the one who got me started on it because... It was not anyone in the Soviet Union that was like, hey guys, problem. It was a worker going into work in Sweden who had radioactive fallout on them from Ukraine that like it was like where is this fallout coming from did something happen (laughs) Wow. so yeah so that's how I got started on it but yeah I'm sorry I'm not good at recommending media I just there's an encyclopedia in my brain that's full of moths
1: hey no I understand I totally get it and I'm not going to find the name of this documentary but when I do I'm going to send it your way yeah I'd love to
0: watch it I do I am open to like new information and you know what I mean where it's like it didn't really happen this way it happened that way I'm I'm down to hear it
1: I'm trying to think of who the director was. It's a famous director. I don't know why I said Oliver Stone, but it's someone out there that's done a lot of stuff. But when I do find it, I will message you and let you know. Um, Thank you very much for coming on the podcast and having this conversation with me about your upbringing, your interest in the Wastelanding stuff, and everything like that, and sharing a little bit about yourself. I really appreciate you coming in.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. It was awesome. It was awesome to talk to you.
1: Definitely, and. As I say in all of these, be happy, be humble, and be kind out there. We'll see you on the next one.